Mostly Harmless is brought to you in part by Dink. D-I-N-K. Denver's Independent Comic and Arts Expo. It's coming to Denver March 25th and 26th to the Sherman Street Event Center. Dink, of course, is Denver's newest fandom experience and is brought to you by the creators of the Denver Comic Con. It is a fun, first-class expo with an emphasis on the spirit and community of the independent comics world. The focus is on furthering the impact and cultural relevance of the comics, graphic novels, zines, publishers, and most importantly, the fans who make up this fantastic community. Now, not only is Dink bringing you the finest in independent comics entertainment, Dink will be given back to you and the community by working with nonprofit organizations such as Denver's Drink and Draw, Love Hope Strength Foundation, and many, many more. Already confirmed guests for this inaugural Dink Expo are guys such as Dennis Kitchen, the founder of Kitchen Sink Press. We got former Mostly Harmless podcast guest and Westward contributor Noah Van Skyber. Not to mention they will have guys like uh, New York Times bestselling graphic novelist Nate Powell. Eisner Award winner Jim Rugg, critically acclaimed cartoonist Julia Wirtz, and then you got independent favorites like Alex Robinson, Amy Reeder, who's a Denver native, and then uh, Mike Dawson. There's so many more guests to be announced for this fantastic event. I've seen the guest list, buddies. There's some cool people coming up. So for more information on Dink, you got to say it right, Dink, Dink, D-I-N-K, please visit dinkdenver.com. Looking forward to it, buddies. We couldn't do this event without you. We see you there, March 25th and 26th at the Sherman Street Event Center. All right, cue the theme song. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damn It Damien. All right, buddies. Boy, oh boy. What a crazy, awesome show we have today. Because today I'm sitting down to chat with none other than Jeff Pizzotti from Naked Raygun. Holy crap. Not to mention, Jeff was also in bands like The Bomb and Big Black. He's one, uh, Naked Raygun is one of the more influential Chicago Midwestern bands that come out of the 80s and 90s. And uh, a lot of people up until recently wasn't weren't really aware of who they were and their legacy. Uh, luckily, there are documentaries like We Weren't There, uh, the documentary on Chicago punk rock. There's also stuff like... Um, uh, Naked Raygun has a really great documentary like What Poor Gods We Make. I think I said that right. I might have said it wrong. I don't have it right in front of me. And then also Foo Fighters have been showing uh, Naked Raygun a whole lot of love on their Sonic Highways uh, series, as particularly the Chicago episode in which Dave Grohl talks about how Naked Raygun was the very first concert he went to see. So I'm in, I'm in Chicago. I'm hanging out to see the loved ones play two sold-out 10-year anniversary shows at Cobra Lounge. I call up my good friend Heather West, who runs Western Publicity and works for Riot Fest as their PR person. I'm like, hey, any chance I get to interview Jeff? She goes, yep, you got it. She hooks it up. She's a good friend. And uh, we met on President's Day on Monday in February. Nice, chill day. And I got to tell you, before we get into this interview... I felt sick the entire time I was in Chicago. I was there for five and a half days, and I could never quite 
get over this 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 weird feeling my equilibrium felt off the entire time it probably didn't help that i was drinking constantly um i was sleeping on my friend's um, very very tiny fold-out couch that didn't really work too well uh and and so it and, and maybe some kind of reverse altitude sickness like my body's not used to all the oxygen because you know of course i come from denver colorado so anyway i felt off the entire time uh, before I went to meet up with Jeff, I got up super early, drank a ton of coffee, uh, went over all my notes, read as many interviews as I could on the uh, on the train down there to Cobra Lounge, and I never, I don't know, I I sat down at Cobra Lounge and drank a few beers while Jeff and his wife Kristen or girlfriend, I'm excuse me, girlfriend Kristen, uh, ate lunch and I I drank a few beers trying to get myself feeling normal, as alcoholics say. Maybe I'm an alcoholic. I don't know. That's for another episode. Um, but needless to say. I, I'm I'm wired. I'm tired. I'm hungover, and I'm slightly co- tipsy when this conversation starts. Um, and not to mention, I'm pretty nervous talking to Jeff. But I don't know why, because Jeff makes it so easy. He's just so chill, so relaxed, so charming. And then, so he really kind of helps takes the edge off. But you'll notice at the beginning of this chat, and I don't say interview because I don't really think it's an interview. I think it's like two guys just sitting out, hanging out at the bar. Um, one of them just happens to be Jeff from Naked Reagan. The other one happens to be this idiot you're hearing right now. And so uh, we really calm down, really get into it. And I think we really have a cool conversation when we talk a little bit about the new record. We talk a lot about Parkinson's disease. Uh, Kristen, Jeff's girlfriend chimes in and talks to me about lupus a little bit and the stuff she's going through. And uh, it really makes you think really it's, it's, it's a damn good chat and I can't believe we got to do it. Um, this chat takes place at the Cobra Lounge in the um, showroom, but there was no show. So there's there's a little bit of noise. There's a little people walking back and forth. And I've got my handheld microphone in my hand. I make a little too much noise moving around in my hand. But we'll get through it. We'll get through it, buddies. But thanks to the guys at Cobra Lounge. I was there, again, for the loved ones, two, uh, two-day back-to-back 10-year anniversary shows. And uh, those guys took super great care of me. And then this afternoon when I talked to Jeff, they took even better care of me. Uh, their brewery, All Rise Brewing Company, is a whole lot like Ratio Beer Works here in Denver. Um, the majority of the beers are band-themed. Most of them are Naked Raygun-themed. And they do a really good job, really great beers. I drink so many Wonder Beers that weekend. Hopefully we can find a way to get that out here to Denver soon. Uh, but it was really, really cool, and I felt really at home at Cobra Lounge. So thanks to those guys for really, really taking care of me. Um, I, 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 thanks. I, I don't know what else to say, buddies. Thank you so much. Um, and thanks to Jeff. Thanks to Kristen. Thanks to Heather West for all making this happen. Uh, before we get into this chat with Jeff... Let's listen to a Naked Raygun song, okay? Um, I I had a hard time picking and choosing which song to open this episode up with, but I decided to go with one that's personal for me. I talk about this a little bit in the episode, but I was first, uh, I first discovered Naked Raygun through the song Soldier's Requiem from the album Jettison. It was on a little BMX video called Crime Log 4130 that I bought um, back in 1994. I believe 95 96 and I watched that video so much and every time I hear soldiers requiem I can still see like the the bunny hops and the tail whips and the flatland and the street riding and the grinding and the stair jumps and all the wackiness that happened in this video um, th- that goes along with the song and it's super super personal to me and it reminds me of you know such a great time in my life and um, I it, I was a fool. I didn't really get into the Naked Ray Gun until much, much more recently. But this song always sticks out in my head, and this will always be my favorite Naked Ray Gun song. So, buddies, let's uh, give a little listen to Soldier's Requiem. <laughs> 
this neighborhood is growing very quickly yeah. and, and I get that for a place like this to survive it's got to grow too so and I like how they've grown like they're you know the, uh, the brewery the brewery the brew pub okay brews is great yeah it, it's it's pretty good I work at a brewery back in Denver called ratio and we do a very similar thing where um, well more so than here where the beers are um, music and band oriented and they named it after Naked Reagan album. Yeah. Crazy. It's fucking, yeah. It's, it, that's actually me on the logo. Is it? Oh. I'm, the only, I'm the guy posing on that. I'm all <laughs> that's right. funny. So I get everything for free here. <laughs> Wonder Beer, Backlash Jack, their song. Naked Reagan song. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. Sean's a good guy, though. He's a really good friend of ours. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, like, I like what they've done, although I miss the seediness of this place. <laughs> I love these. They're shaped like snakes, yeah. you know? Cobra. I didn't even notice that. Pretty fucking cool. I don't know where you get those. Probably handcrafted. But I like everybody. I, I ran into a bunch of people this weekend. Like, I ran into, uh, my friend joked, he's, she, she. She was like, everywhere you go, there are naked Reagan guys in Chicago. So for Chicago people, it's not that big a deal to see like you out somewhere. Or like I ran into uh, Fritz yesterday. He was yeah. bartending at Quinchers. Yeah, he works there. And uh, everybody, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to interview Jeff from Naked Reagan. They're like, oh, where are you going to go? And I go, oh, uh, Cobra Lounge. You're like, of course you are. That's Jeff's clubhouse. I, I heard that from like three or four different people. Yeah, Sean has made it our club. So we practice on the fourth floor. Oh, cool. There's a fourth floor? Yeah, you gotta walk up. I went all the way up to the uh, backstage room yesterday. The or floor above not. that. Okay, cool. Hell yeah. The floor above that, it's, it's, it's uh, got a sleeping quarters. I'm not sure who lives up there now. Somebody does. And it's got a nice bathroom, and it's got the best practice space I've ever practiced in. It's a bitch to get your stuff down from there. But <laughs> nope. Sean, John nope. owns a lot of stuff that he just leaves up there. Yeah, no elevator here? No. no, no. I didn't think so. Well, yeah, so of course you chose this place to come hang out at. He's um, right off the highway for me. Yeah, and it's right off. It's not the easiest light rail to get off of, but uh, well, in Denver they're light rail, so I guess here it's the hell. You're staying with Heather? What's that? You're staying with Heather? Uh, no, I've been staying with my friend Nikki. I don't feel like I know Heather well. Heather offered, but I don't know her where does quite Nikki where. Live? Um, Wrigleyville. Yeah. So we could have hung you know, a nice little hop, skip, and a jump. But my buddy used to live right here, and he moved off to Seattle. Um, gra yeah. Better graphic design job. Kind of practice spaces around here too for bands. It's interesting how 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 much it's changed in the four years since I was here last. But um, it was that Riot Fest, Riot Fest 2012, I saw you guys play Subterranean with yeah. Dan Vapid yeah. and after an official after party. That was, that was the first time I ever saw you guys play and it was pretty... Pretty great. That was a crazy show. It was crazy. I, I met Bill Stevenson from The Descendants that night. Um, a bunch of Rise Against guys were here hanging out. Yeah, we know this guy. And uh, I, I used to know them back in the day when they were a younger band. Um, Any Fingers Lily? I ended up hanging out with them this trip. Yeah, I know guys. Dennis now. You know Dennis really well. He's he was a he was a nice guy. Um, 
yeah, I hit up Dennis. Dennis was like, he dragged me to this bar called Simon's way up north. It was pretty cool. I was like, why did you choose this place? He's like, I don't know. I know the guy that works here. This would be a good spot. So, um, so I guess we're already going. If that's okay with you. Are we going? Sure. Yeah, that's I, good. I got a recording already. Good. You're already telling good stories. Uh, but yeah, so I'm hanging out at Cobra Lounge with fucking Jeff. How do you say your last name? Pizzotti. 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 That's what I thought. Yeah. But my fucking, uh, my dyslexic brain can't wrap its head around all those Z's. It should be said like pizza, with a TZ, but Americans say it Pizzotti. Nice. So it's Pizzotti. 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 I got it. So I, I, we chatted a little bit earlier. I don't know why I am so nervous hanging out and chatting with you today. Oh, you are? Don't I don't nervous. know. Like, I, I just got in my head about it all. Don't be nervous. I know. And, like, I've seen you in enough documentaries lately. I watched uh, uh, You Weren't Here. You Weren't yeah, There. Yeah, you weren't I watched there. the uh, um, What Poor Gods We Make. Yeah. Made. I, I'm probably saying all these words wrong. No, I know what you're saying. And, uh, but the, audio, the people listening at home are like, yeah, you fucking, you're fucking it all up. And then the um, Foo Fighters thing on HBO. I watched that actually twice. Yeah, the Sonic Highway. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. I, they didn't. They didn't use my good parts of Sonic Highways. I was I, I was really funny in that. My interview was very funny, and they and they, they thought it was probably too cheesy, too controversial. Yeah. I'm always saying that. I always tell it like it is a little bit about some people. <laughs> and they probably we'll thought we shouldn't we shouldn't make any enemies. We'll we'll feel free to do that today. Um, yeah. No, I, and so like watching all these documentaries, I feel like. Jeff's going to be an easy person to talk to. There's nothing to stress about. But for whatever reason, my head has been going yeah, like 100,000 miles an hour. And I have so many notes. I don't really have a... For me, I just figure it's two guys. I'm drinking a beer. you got some water there. Yeah. Just hanging out and chatting, going over... Yeah, go Talking about some things. What questions did you have? Let's go over some of them. Well, let's see. Uh, you don't live in, right in Chicago anymore. Do you, Dixon? Is that where you live? I live close to Dixon. Okay, cool. I tell people Dixon because it's the only town you might know. Nice. I, in, I live, coming from Denver, I have no idea what that is. It's like it's like somebody living in the town of Loveland. Yeah. Not Loveland Pass, right. but Loveland. And then living in some shitty town next to that. Nobody's ever heard Got of Got it, yeah. Anyway, it, I live in Amboy. It's got 2,200 people. And uh, and and decreasing in size. It's a farm. It's a farm town, and my girlfriend and I were anxious to find a. We looked for over a year to find a either an old giant farmhouse or a a beat up mansion. And we we found a beat up mansion. Hell yeah! It's I got four marble fireplaces. It's got. It's two stories. It's it's about thirty eight hundred square feet, two floors, and it's uh, it needs a lot of love and a lot of money poured into it. So we've been putting a lot of love into it. We don't have a lot of money to put into it, but we've been I, working a lot. I watched a really great video that she took of uh, you rescuing her from a bat. She put it on YouTube. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> she's swearing. I, I I enjoyed it a lot. I was like, what the. What's going on? Yeah. Like some bat running around your basement. Yeah. But do you get bats out there in that kind of country? Well, bats are weird. Bats are supposed to migrate, but since people build warm houses and they can get into them, they, they, they started staying around when people moved, when, when people started building houses over time and 
in the time of humans. And uh, so these bats now live in people's houses and they're a bitch to get out. You can only legally <laughs> get them out once, to once or twice a year. You can't get them out while they're having babies. They're very well protected by the federal law. And it turns out you can't just go and kill them. <laughs> and uh, so you're, and they, and they always come back to the same house they were in before. So we had, we had to pay somebody a lot of money to get them out. Oh, shit. And, and they seal up your house. First thing you do is seal up your house and control all the exit points and entrance points. So it was a really big project. It went on forever. Really slowed our, <laughs> slowed our renovation down quite a bit. So you're, you grew up in the Chicago area? I grew up in Naperville. Yeah. Uh, that. Everybody knows where Naperville is now. When I grew up there, I went to school with farm kids, so it was kind of a pretty small town then. And uh, now it's a place to live in the suburbs. But I moved to Chicago when I was 18 and lived here ever since. Lived till I, till I was about 30. I moved back to the suburbs and had kids. Moved back to the city. And now back to the farms? Now back to the farm. Yeah. What's it like to go back to like farm, farm country? I love it out there. Yeah, yeah. You're over the big, big city and the hustle. I like the big city and the hustle, but I, I'm kind of glad I'm. It, it seems to never stop with the expenses, you know. Yeah. Chicago has the highest sales tax of anywhere, and like ten percent or something, and and they keep raising this and raising that and making it difficult to park on the street with their fucking. Oh, yeah. Automatic parking meters. You only stay for two hours, and you got to feed the meter again. It's, it's. I know it's a pain in the ass. I like, I like the city, but I like it out there too. I, uh, I have this note here, and I don't really know what it means because I was watching the um, "What Poor Gods We Must Make" documentary, and I wrote down "No Country for Old Bands," and I think that means something along the line. I, I watched "No Country for Old Men" recently. Yeah, that's a good movie. I watched it. I watched it. I watched it, I watched it three times so far. But so for guys like yourself, is there, you can obviously kind of retire to the country a little bit. Yeah, no, no city for old men, <laughs> old bands. <laughs> That's actually a little bit better than... Um, yeah, it's weird. After we played with the Foo Fighters at Wrigley Field, there was a big, our, our town in Amboy has only one event a year. It's a, like a big, Illinois' biggest car show. And it, and it goes for all weekend, three-day weekend. First weekend is the, tr is the tractor competition. Second weekend is a motorcycle competition. Second day is motorcycle competition. Third day is a car car competition. And uh, we just go. We just were we were playing on the Friday and Saturday, so we just went on Sunday to the cars. But um, where's it going with that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, um, no country for old bands. Yes, country for yeah. For so, Jeff B. oh, people recognize you as well. Oh yeah, people recognize me. From the Foo you can show. feel free to jump in. People recognize me from the Foo Fighters show in Amboy, which is really weird because Amboy people don't, don't seem to really go anywhere. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could be wrong, but it doesn't seem like they go very anywhere. It was really, really weird to be recognized in Amboy. <laughs> and, and it was bizarre because 
It's just like too, too weird. And and so how how weird and bizarre was the whole food? I, I didn't really want to talk about the food fighters because every interview you do, but yeah, fuck it, we're already talking about it. Let's do it. Um, how weird and bizarre was it to have you know this million millionaire be like, hey, be in our documentary? How weird's it been to be a part of that ride? <laughs> well, it was nice. David Grohl is a very nice guy, very cordial and very very humble actually. And uh, I got along good with everybody in their band, and he asked some good questions, and he knows what the score is, I think, and he knows he's making rock and roll and not making really punk rock. And, but he, he, he appreciates his roots, and I think he just wanted to give us a chance to play with him, which is very nice. And we can't thank him enough. Got a lot of attention from it, not that we didn't, not that we needed more attention, but it's nice <laughs> to have it. And um, all of all of his people are very nice. I, it's, it's one of those things like I, I couldn't get a hold of him now if I wanted to though. Right. Yeah. At the time I could get a hold of him if I had to, but yeah. now I he, he's so layered with he's such a he himself is such a industry. And, and good for him. Yeah, good for him. You I know. know. He there's this, there's a lot of people surrounding him who rely on him for a living, and. You can't get near him, which is fine, but it's sort of a strange deal. And um, it, I'd seen Naked Raygun. I was aware of Naked Raygun. I was on a flight home from Thailand, and on the TV screen in front of me, it had the Sonic Highways things, and that I watched it, and that was when I really became aware. And, and as somebody who was a casual fan, I became aware of the importance of Naked Raygun and what you guys are doing. And I jumped head first into what you guys have done, who you guys were as a band, and what was going on in Chicago in the '80s when you guys guys did it. So it, it opened up a lot. Like, you know, yeah. I'm 34 years old. I've been studying punk rock since I was 18, but really, I didn't know the Naked Ray Gun story. I a feel, lot of people skip over Chicago. Yeah, a lot of people go for the coasts, and yeah. those, those important things happen on the coast. But we had a lot of good music coming in the Midwest. We yeah. had uh, Who's Who and us, and replacements and a lot of good bands and and i noticed um not long you know not long after that trip i got home and i'm like oh, i'm gonna listen to naked ray gun i turn it into spotify and i hit play on the first song which is soldier's requiem great song from jettison and all of a sudden like i'm like holy shit i know this whole fucking record and i had no idea i didn't realize it at the time but I, um soldier's requiem was in a uh, bmx video i watched when i religiously when i was 14 I know, knew every word to that song. And like, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Louisiana, uh, wow. before moving to Denver in Colorado Springs. And uh, that's, how, that's how I discovered music was from skate videos, BMX videos, yeah. punk zines, BMX zines. So we submitted a lot of songs to, to a lot of yeah. uh, BM, uh, bicycle and... Uh, yeah. And skateboard videos, and we never got paid for them. We just gave them a copy of something we already had out. They were never original songs ever. They were, they were always on some appeared on some album before that. Yeah. But we we did a lot of uh, uh, what's the brand? I have their shirts, a lot of old shirts. Santa Cruz. Okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, I have some really old T-shirts that would send us and, and thank you, you know, and they. And when I wear the shirts, people go, wow, that's a really old logo. And I go, I wouldn't really know. <laughs> you weren't a skater ever, were you? No, I wasn't. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I, uh, 
and I'm pretty sure the video that I, I discovered that song on was, uh, I'm pretty sure they did not ask permission for usage of your song. Uh, it was a video called Crime Log 4130. And, uh, I don't know, usually they did ask permission. Usually he he might have. Usually they wrote to us and sent us, sent us a request for a song. We would rarely ever turn them down. It was just really DIY, punk rock. Anyway, but but it, it was through that Sound Sound Cities thing that I was like, holy shit. Like, I, I'd seen you guys here at Ride Fest 2012, and I'd seen you guys in Denver a couple times, but it wasn't until then I realized the legacy that you had. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's kind of coming around, like with people like the Cobra Lounge here, you know. I mean, you're on the fucking logo, Wonder Beer. Well, Sean couldn't uh, find, Sean looked up names of breweries, microbreweries, and he couldn't find one when it wasn't taken. I saw, I saw his, his blackboard upstairs, he had like a hundred names written on it, and he, I said all those names are taken, like Wolf's Bane, XX Death, you know, and he, and he had some good names up there, and then he, and he said, he came to me and said, why don't I just fucking call it All Rise? You guys deserve it. I said, sure, go ahead, take it. Nice. I didn't. We didn't charge him anything. He just uses it. We get to drink for free forever. Jesus. We never actually decided that. It's sort of an unspoken thing, but that's what happens. I'm happy about it. And then we practice in his in his. We practice where his band practices on the fourth floor of Cobra. We love that. And um, what band is Sean in? Band Sean is in. Uh, I'm not sure what the name of his band is now. Okay. He changes it. Things. We'll but, cut that um, part out. <laughs> but uh, Sean plays drums, and um, and uh, once in a while we will play like Sean's. We'll play a thank you for Sean, and we'll play like his birthday party or something for free, unannounced, because we appreciate how he does for us. Well, and and so like, you're what, fifty five now? Is that what 50, I, I just turned fifty six? Fifty six, man. Yeah. Yeah. How how does it feel to get all this attention now for something you did when you were, you know, a young man growing up, finding your way in Chicago? We were getting attention then. You were, but we were we were just we were getting all the attention we could get. There weren't that weren't that many people into it then. Yeah. Now it's very acceptable. Before, yeah. Before we were getting the attention of everybody who was in it. Well, and then watching like the documentary, we're not there. Is that the name of it? You, you weren't, weren't here. There. You weren't, you weren't there. there. Yeah. Um, Which is really snotty. It, I, I mean, I grew up in Louisiana. I wasn't even born when half the documentary is talking about. And, um, but it's, it, it's like, you guys had to work fucking hard. You had to be really dedicated to this world. It wasn't just like, I'm going to put on a NoFX t-shirt and go to the mall. No, it wasn't like that at all. I used to do things to get our name out there. I used to, I had a van that I bought and it in a student loan. And then I, I got another student loan the next year and I fixed up the van. Yeah. So I signed my parents' name, and they never knew hide or hair about it. But it's two two student loans out there, and I it was, a, it was a cargo van. It just didn't have very many windows, so I would park my van next to a underneath where the L is. The L goes by when the L hits a street. There's always a big long fence there, trying to keep people out from under the L. And it's this big long fence about where I really and I said. I said, it'd be great if Naked Reagan's name was on there. <laughs> but I don't want to paint it on there. So I got this giant piece of wallpaper, and I, <laughs> a giant roll, and I stayed it in my house, and I painted our name on there really big. Then I 
went and drove up and parked right in front of the thing late at night, right in front of the fence and with the L. I glued the whole back of it in the in the van. And I ran out there with one big piece and I slapped it up. And I was like it was like 14, 20 feet long. And I'm trying to get it all smooth, got it all smoothed out. Nobody saw me. I ran back in the van and took off. I thought it was the best thing ever. And then I, I got I walked by there every day on the way to going to college at downtown here. And I walked by and every every day a little piece was torn off more and more and more. It lasted about three weeks though until the whole thing was torn off. So I used to try to get our name out there any way I could. That's pretty good. I would also put up flyers around the high schools in Chicago that said we were I was really I was really uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Really just I, I want to say precarious. No, but it might not be really right. really uh, They balls to the wall. <laughs> All right. I don't, that's not the word I'm looking for you, though, either. It's really um, scrupulous. Scrupulous. I would put. Uh, I would make up posters that said, written really big letters, "Black Flag," "Dead Kennedys," and then below that, in really small letters, I would write, "This this is a band that played with them. <laughs> Come and see them play at such and such a place and such and such a date." So I would use other people's names to get people to look at the poster, and then I would put our name under it. But it worked. It worked. It worked pretty well. You guys. Work. Um, it I like that you guys, you know, for me, I, I grew up, I had zines, I had videos to look at to learn what to do. You were here in Chicago cre making up your own rules as you went along. Yeah, there was, there was no, like in the California thing really hadn't hit yet, you know. Huh. And, we, and when it did hit, we didn't want to be like that. We were already something else. And we, we listened to a lot of English bands. And we, we tried to stylize ourselves after them, which doesn't go over when you play England, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we knew who our, what our roots were, and we knew what we kind of what we sound, wanted to sound like. And we wanted to sound different than anybody else, but still really good. So I think we settled in on some whoa whoa stuff that worked out well. Second best whoa 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 band right in the world, mm -hmm. right behind the Misfits. Right. I have that written down somewhere. I like yeah. that quote that you made. Sorry to steal it from you. It's okay. I'm stealing your thunder here. It's funny. Um, but what was I mean? What was the attraction of this world that made you work so hard to be a part of it? Well, I was in a lot of bands before this. I was in a lot of basement bands. I played heavy metal. Did like UFO covers. Stone. I was in one band that played only Stones. I was in a band that played the James Gang. I didn't know what the James Gang were. But we played a lot of James Gang songs. And uh, I was in a, band, a lot of bands that never made it out of the basement. Never even played anywhere. Yeah. So I was ready to perform, you know. And my brother said, I got this band going downtown. I said, you have a band going? What do you play? I said, he said I play bass. How much older said, is your brother? Just two years. Oh, okay. And he said, I said, what, what, what kind of music do you play? He said, we play punk. I said, let me hear, let me hear it. So I went to listen to him. I thought they were the worst thing I ever heard. I thought they needed to sing really badly. So eventually they asked me to sing and it's all downhill from there. But the nice thing about punk rock was it was very refreshing. You didn't have to be really technically that good. You didn't have to be proficient at your instrument. You just had to have some good ideas, and you had to have a good attitude. And it was, it was, it was much more refreshing. I keep saying refreshing, but it was 
rock and roll had really stagnated, you know. It, it yeah. really it was really stuck in itself and stuck on guitar solos. And we made it a habit <laughs> not to have any guitar solos. You couldn't even you couldn't even write a part where okay you couldn't even say this is where the solo goes. We would just say no, it doesn't. This is where you don't play a solo. So because. Um, Souls like watching somebody masturbate, you know. Right. Yeah, who, wants yeah. it, who wants it? It's great for the guitar player, nobody else. Maybe that's why I don't like jam bands at all, right. whatsoever. <laughs> so um, it's a good reason. So um, we we had our unwritten set of rules, and we just played by them. And, and you made it up as you went along. Yeah. yeah. I, I I appreciate that, and it comes through, especially in all the talks and whatnot. Like, because there wasn't a scene here, and you guys built it or helped to build it with everybody else. Like, yeah, other names that I have written down here. Well, none at the moment. But yeah, like effigies, strike, strike under, under, strike under. Suburbs. I have a cassette of Strike Under, and I just got a digital cassette to oh yeah converter because mm. converter set to digital. And I got this beautiful cassette of Strike Under playing live, and it's and it's perfect sound quality. I'm gonna make it on di- put it on digital and release it or something. I'm gonna ask if I can release it live. Pierre is a bass player; he's in our band, and I know the other guys. It needs to be out there. It's so good. It's it's all there. They had one album only. It was <laughs> basically an EP, and it, this this picks up a couple other songs that were really good. It shows how shows their greatness of how great they were. And that's the band that. The two brothers fought all the time, right? Yeah, they yeah, fought like yeah. they fought like. People would ask me after the show. I'd go get the money from the. We played a bill with them. I would go get the money from the, from the manager of the club, and they would say, "Is that an act? That strike under thing?" I'd say, "No, you're kidding," because it's really annoying. It's really, it's really like they're actually beating each other up on stage. I say, "Yeah, occasionally." <laughs> I can't even imagine. Um, and so when you guys were coming up and grow and coming through the scene, you guys brought along a lot of younger bands with you. Like you got a, you gave a lot of younger bands their first start. Just as I assume the older bands gave you guys the start, or maybe you created your own scene and allowed them up. But how important were those younger bands at the time to keeping that momentum? Well, it's very important. It's very important to give people who are trying to do the same thing you are but are just unknown and younger a chance to be seen and to be appreciated and gives them a sense of fulfillment about that what they're doing has meaning and to keep going keep going and talk your friends into going to the shows we figured if every young band brought 50 people to a show there'd be 50 more people at the show than what we had last time yeah and um we thought and some of those bands are very good right to the accuser hysterical Mike still works at uh, uh, Liars Club. He's a bartender at Liars Club. He's hysterical. He's in. He's in. Uh, you weren't there. Okay. I haven't made it by Liars Club this trip. I'm he's a guy. And, he's a guy, and you weren't. There, there, there was a the joke band, right? Yeah, kind of. Boys. Yeah, he's a guy who's wearing like. A, uh, evil can evil outfit sitting on a sitting on a bar, bar with Anthony Anthony Alardi in that movie. Nice. He just keeps going punk rock and laughing punk rock and laughing. They they did a uh, somebody did a, put on a movie called Savage Beliefs. It was about the band Savage Beliefs, but they put a guy in the band. 
who was the story was supposed to be about. I don't think I ever finished the movie, but all of Wright's accused and their friends came to the filming of it. And Naked Reagan was the warm-up band for Savage Beliefs, so we just had to do one song on stage, film us with a bunch of cameras. Then they were going to get Savage Beliefs in there and film them. Right to the accused and all their friends, just to, to, to fuck up the continuity of the film, changed their shirts every single take. <laughs> it was hysterical. <laughs> so they would be like, if you're looking at it, you know, the continuity guy must have had a, a headache. Because it was all the same people with just different clothes on every take. Very funny. They're very clever guys and deserve everything they got. I like those guys. Very funny. <laughs> but within those scenes, like, you know, bringing up these kids, teaching them how to do it, I have this idea that there's a kid sitting somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Texas, listening to you and I talk here in Chicago. I have this idea that he's listening to us and waiting. I don't know. Maybe because I, I was a kid who sat on the couch a lot, yeah. waiting for somebody to give me permission to yeah. do something. And finally, I realized I don't need permission. Right. I can you just go permission. You just do can, this. You can just go do it. In fact, I, don't, don't have permission. Yeah. How did you figure out that you could just go do something? Well, I was already doing the structured thing with the, yeah. the bands in the basement. So when this came along, I realized you can just do whatever you want to. My brother kind of explained it to me. We saw some old Undertones movie. It was a, it was a, I think it was a movie called Punk or something. It was from, from, from Europe, mostly from England and Ireland. And there was this one guy who just sang the most horrible song by himself with, a, with an electric guitar, and he was way out of tune, and he was way out of whack. And, I, and we got out of the movie theater, and I said to my brother, what was with that one guy? He sort of sucked. My brother said, that was the best guy in the whole film. I said, why? He said, because he's just out there doing it. And then it sort of hit me like, that's what it takes. It just takes yeah. some idiot with a good idea about a song. Whether, and, and, and maybe a smidge of talent. Yeah. That's what I'm still looking it's for. Just, it's just... <laughs> Just get out, getting out there and do it. You know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be rush to play. You don't have to have three-part harmony and very slick vocals and else. You just have to. It's it's about feeling. It's feeling it. And uh, you mentioned Texas. Yeah. Somebody sitting on their couch in Texas. I we used to have a Naked Reagan World Headquarters, and it was actually this empty room inside of a building I used to own, an apartment building I used to own in the north side of Chicago. And it was an empty room where we stored all our cases, flight cases and stuff. And it had a, all I had in it was a phone and a light and a tape, tape machine, uh, uh, answering machine, it was on tape. And I used to take the tape machine and play it sometimes and I used to get a kick out of it. One, one, one caller comes, calls in like this, sounds like this, ring, ring. Hello, you reach Naked Reagan World Headquarters. Please leave a message. And then you hear this guy from Texas go, with a Texas accent anyway, go, Hey guys, I got a tape machine. I got a tape machine. No, no, it's a fucking tape machine. I, what should I say? What should I say? Okay, hang up. So the guy hangs up. And then about two seconds later, he calls back, Naked Reagan Rules. <laughs> he clicks the phone. And then. And then they would call back every once in a while and leave these long drunken messages and it was funny. You get a lot of stuff like that on that tape. I wish I kept that tape. It's not in a box somewhere being uh, invaded yeah. by bats. My box is stuff or oh, endless. Oh, I bet. I bet. 
You'll find it one day. Yeah, I'll find it one day. Uh, you have kids of your own? I do. I have two kids. How old are they? My daughter is 24. <laughs> my son is 22. It's okay. They won't listen. They won't know. And uh, my son's in college. He goes to Kansas University in Lawrence. He's going to be an ROTC guy. He's big in ROTC. And my daughter graduated as an accountant and a finance major and mastered in accounting. Got her CPA exam before she graduated and she works for a big firm downtown Chicago. Nice. She lives, oddly enough, she lives two blocks from Naked Reagan World Headquarters <laughs> on the north side of Chicago by Lincoln and Sheffield and Wrightwood. She lives two blocks from where I used to live like for years. It's coincidental. And she probably pays triple the. She the pays so much friggin' money. Yeah, it's silly. She's got a very nice place, though. Yeah. She shares it with three other girls. So, when they were you happy they didn't follow your path into music? My son originally did start playing bass and singing in a band. He really liked Blink 182 for a while there. Didn't and when we he was all? younger. And when he was like, you know, 12 in that. So he played a bass and he even sang a song at his, high, his junior high talent show with his punk rock band. They were pretty good. I got it on tape somewhere. And um, a song that he wrote and then he sang it. But um, he decided not to go into music. I don't know. My, my daughter, unfortunately, listens to this. Listens to country music, which I, it's kind of unacceptable. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, she, Not even the good country music. She listens to the crap. Country. I don't know. She likes the cute guys. Oh, okay. My son, I think, listens to pretty good music, and I try to turn him on to Alkaline Trio and stuff like that. He seems to like it. Do they ever come to your shows? What do, What do they think when they see you know? Their My dad daughter came to our show, our last show we played. She came to our last show we played with her boyfriend, and uh, I don't know what they think. When they were in high school, they got some perks out of it. Yeah. People kind of, they wear a Naked Reagan shirt and people say, you know Naked Reagan? She said, this is my dad. Yeah. That's your dad. So they got some sort of distance out of it, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think they, I'm glad they're going their own way. Yeah. If they want, if they were music too, I'd like that, but. Well, do you have anybody that you've you took um, my buddies in direct hit went on on tour with you guys for those three shows you did in December. Yeah. Do you take on like younger bands, put them around your arms, and like usher them along? If we if we are aware of them, we're, we're kind of oblivious to yeah. what's happening now. Well, I used to, we used to be in touch with things. But now I'm a little bit. I admit that I'm uh, out of it a little bit. Well, hanging out with the '88 Fingers Louis guys, they pretty much were like, "Yeah, we don't really like. We're old. We have kids. It's cold." We stay in, we don't really know what's going on. <laughs> right. But, um, Direct Hit playing with us was our manager's idea. Mike? Mike, yeah. yeah. So Mike must have talked to somebody from Direct Hit's management and they put him with us and that was good. That was cool. good. Good combination. Good young kids. Yeah. Hungry. Right. But we like, uh, I like to spend the usuals out of, uh, they're west, somewhere, suburb, suburb west of Chicago. I think they might be out of Elgin. But they're not young guys either. They're, they're in their early 30s maybe, but they're yeah. very good. I mean, 
young comparatively. Compared to us, they're young. But they're, they're, I'm not sure how young their band is, but they're damn good. Yeah. We, we had them play with us at a show, and like Death in Memphis, those are my friends who I used to be in the bomb with. Oh yeah, the bomb. And um, they're in a band called Death and Memphis. Um, we had them play with us at two shows with Naked Raygun, and they really appreciated getting more exposure, and they were very good. And the second show they played was stellar. They were really excellent. So we try to bring bands, whether they're young bands or whether they're our friends' bands. Or We've always tried to do that, control the show a little yeah. bit, because it's better if you... Otherwise, you're going to put somebody with you that's way out of whack. And then that's probably going to happen anyway, so it's good <laughs> to have at least one band on the bill that you picked. You know, we always felt that. We always try to control our whole show. We used to play Metro. We would, we would have cartoons come on first on the big screen, play cartoons, and we'd have a walk-on song. We'd have a backdrop, and we'd, we'd do the whole thing up. You know, so we were kind of a one thought for the show. And you're still, you guys are still a little in control these days, though, right? Mike doesn't do it all, right? No, we're in control. <laughs> if we, if we, if we really put our foot down, we can have total control. Yeah. But, so, but it's better to better to leave some of these things left to the booking person and the, and the yeah. managers. Well, like, hanging out and talking with um, uh, Fritz yesterday, he was like, "Oh man, yeah, Mike Wright best. He takes care of us super well. I actually get W twos regularly from Mike at Riot best. Why is that good? I don't know." That's kind of why I'm, I'm like, all right. Tell me, basically, I'm leading to tell me about working with Mike at Riot Fest. How's that going? Working with Mike is great. He's he's awful busy with Riot Fest, so you got to realize Riot Fest is his number one thing, and we're yeah. sort of on his back burner. But you, and, it's a back burner band anyway for yeah, you guys, even yeah, for you guys, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. But um, although Fritz was like, I'm glad you're interviewing him because that means we'll probably get the band practice a lot sooner when he knows people are interested. Well, he, we, might, he might not have said that. I, I had a lot of Malore shots yesterday with him. We've got to we've got to write some more songs. I'm, I, I bought some. I got some software and I got a Macintosh for an Apple computer for uh, Christmas. And I've been got some software for it. I've been writing a lot of songs. And Bill sent me some songs that were partially done. And I loaded them on there. So I'm finishing up quite a few songs even as we speak. I, even this morning I was working on them. So we've got to get those done before we can go into the studio before and we got to practice those songs though but there's no sense going to practice now because right. they, they don't really have them finished i'm getting close though i got a lot of them, oh, yeah. a lot i'm working on but working with mike is great mike can get you get i can get us places and get us on big bills and and like uh festivals things that we don't know even who to talk to and since people are trying to get into his festival he can work it and get us into their festival. So he can pull some strings for us if he thinks about it and get us into some good places. And he has. And, and he helped bring you guys back together to begin with. Yeah, he helped bring us back together. And he, he's kind of famous for doing that now. He put together a lot of bands. He put together uh, uh, Mighty Buddy Boss Tones. He put back together the... Uh, Band from California. <laughs> uh, I can't remember their name, but he put together a lot of bands. Yeah, he's been doing a lot of good work with Riot Fest. 
and he brought it out to Denver, which is how I know Heather, which is how we're sitting down here. So I thank him for that too. Yeah, we played Denver Ride Fest. Yeah. That was great. I saw you guys out here, Tom. Big storm came up after we played. That was the year flag, flag, flag played. Flag, flag played right after us and they got and, yeah. it I, closed down half our set. It, I, was, I didn't have a backstage pass, but somehow stuck myself around and on stage for flag set. Good. And then when it all came crashing down, I went, oh, this is all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Rye Fest Denver was great though. Rye Fest Denver that first year was really good. Good place was that. I haven't been to any other ones. Yeah. Well, that that farm it was at was fun. Well, they don't do it there anymore. The town ran them out. Yeah. They had that, they had Much that, like Humboldt Park, they ran that out. Yeah. They had that, they had that, they had that, they had, uh, air compressed powered pumpkin gun. Did you shoot that? No. It's awesome. I missed that. That farm had this huge air-compressed-powered pumpkin gun. It, you would load these small pumpkins in it, and they had a big sack of pumpkins next to them. Load them in, and you'd try to hit the, this bale of hay with this fake bear standing in front of it. We, were just, doing that we, for, we, were, just, we were just doing that for hours. <laughs> it's a good time. Good times were had. Uh, I remember wandering around, and I was like, I'm looking for bands to interview, and somebody was like, Naked Ray Guns, just hanging out backstage. Did you go talk to them? And I'm like, I don't have time to do research. And now that I've done research, I'm like, I still don't have enough time. No. I'm still nervous. Don't be nervous. Yeah, we're, we're doing fine. So you mentioned you're doing new songs. Yeah, we're doing some new songs. We were going to put all the oh, we we're going to put the six songs from the single on the album. If we'd be done by now, if we did that. But we tr we thought it would be kind of lame, so we're trying, we're trying to write all new songs. So like I say, we have enough new material. We just got to work it out. They're going to be good though. Well, what's it like writing again? Like I mean. Well, as you as you get older and you get and you as a songwriter, you get more picky and you're not satisfied with simple songs is a problem. So nothing sounds good to you at first. When you, when you first start writing songs, everything sounds great. Look at this. I thought of these three chords. They kind of go together. They don't go together at all, maybe you know. But <laughs> some of that stuff's the best song I've ever written. Best songs I've ever written happen that way. You know, the early stuff. And now it's just like you're thinking about it too much sometimes, and it never gels. It never and you're trying to save the song and then you don't have any subject matter and it, it ends up being a piece of shit. <laughs> but, um, well, so it, where, where do you find the subject matter these days? Uh, well, if you notice, a lot of just love songs in general are really good subject matter. A lot of our songs are about that anyway, but... Um, it's not different writing at 55 versus, you know, 25. There's a lot of angst still. You could last stuff to be pissed off about. The election coming up is a good one. Jesus. It's, re it's pretty as as ridiculous or more ridiculous than it's ever been. I don't. And, yeah. And that's a good subject. That's always good subject matter. Politics, and uh, the way the United States is making everything, uh, taking leaving their armies around the world and bases and making everything like. Uh, what do you, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a colony, they're colonialists, they're like colonizing the world, is very strange. I'm not sure any of the American people want that, or even thought about it too much. But it happened, and it's it's already over. Yeah, it happened. We have armies everywhere, all at once. A lot of people, and we're we're in every we're in every, or can get to everywhere in the world very quickly, and. I'm sure somebody in Washington thought that out a long time ago, before I was even born. 
and uh, they did it for good for good or bad it's it's outrageously crazy that we would be so brazen to think that we can tell other people in other countries what to do I um Maybe it's because I've been watching a lot of X Files, but I've been thinking a lot about that kind of stuff as well. Much of the new X Files, the new one and the old one. I've been rewatching the old one. Got bad new bad reviews on the new one. I I've enjoyed it enough. Yeah, but I, I I wrote down this note the other night. I was like, why can we see the bullshit when the masses can't? And that kind of happened while I was watching the documentary and watching a lot of the stuff. Like, I, I had a conversation with a friend. Why aren't of mine. we all like Jelly Biafra? Yeah. Like, why, why do people just subscribe to the bullshit, you know, the... I don't think they subscribe to it. It just happens, and they don't yeah. make any noise about it. I, I, I don't know. They're just, like, too busy doing their own thing. They're too busy trying to eke out a living and... Well, like, the Super Bowl, I don't give a shit about sports, but the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl, and the whole town is like, go Broncos, go Broncos, go Broncos. And I'm like, you guys know this is how... The rich people control us is through sports, and that's conspiracy theory craziness. And I'm probably sounding crazy right now. No, but, no. Well, but, my girlfriend and I don't watch sports. Yeah, me neither. And, and you know so, why? Because next year there's going to be another game. Yeah. And, and another, you won't even remember who that was either. But it, it's just it, like you turn on the you turn on the news, you turn on the late night. There's going to be some fucking hockey game somewhere. Somewhere. Going on. No matter what time of year. But it's like right. why. Why can we see the bullshit where everybody else is like, go Broncos. Everybody else just falls in line. I guess that's why we're in punk rock. Yeah, there's a lot of smart people the, in punk rock. The less. There's a lot of smart people in punk rock. There always has been. There always will be. They're not, we're not the fools. We're not the fools being taken for, taking things for granted. We're questioning a lot of things and we're thinkers and we're innovators and we're there's a lot of clever people in punk rock yeah. in many ways whether they whether they they have something to show for it or not is another thing but <laughs> at least we're here and we're clever uh, yeah I don't have much to how's show. it going for you being clever <laughs> good right? keep it up quite club yeah. yeah one of my favorite scenes yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah I, I don't get it but that's been weighing a lot on my head it's like why why can we it's true. See it. Why are we not happy with everything else? I don't know. I don't. Know. Anyway, that's probably a co- conversation for another day. It's good though. It's good thought. Good thought process. I like that. Hopefully, hopefully people get something out of us talking for a second about that. Uh, so, what else do you got going on there, Jeff? Well, I'm renovating our house. Yeah. With my girlfriend. We're doing what we can. How's it going? She gives a thumbs up. Very good. Very good. It's Kristen, and um, she's my partner in crime. And uh, we are watching a lot of YouTube, how to fix things. YouTube is <laughs> YouTube great. is the best. You can do anything on YouTube. Yeah. Learn how to do anything on YouTube. I, I worked at a warehouse, uh, a tech warehouse, and we repaired electronics. And I was like, how do I fix this um, Xbox? They were like, I don't know, go look it up on YouTube. That's yeah. how I learned how to repair Xboxes. I have a, I have a muscle car. Can't do it very well. 68 Roadrunner. Yeah. I rebuilt my carburetor on YouTube. It, it's great. It's cool. Hell yeah. They had step-by-step instructions, plus many different guys rebuilding the same carburetor. Like, you, your choice of like 10 different ones. 
And you kind of watch all 10 and then kind of pull it yeah. all together into one thing. I actually thing. had my tablet sitting up there and my carburetor right next to it, and I was doing what the guy said to do. I stop it, do that, stop it, do that. It's great. YouTube is great. Well, uh, may I ask you, you know, um, I know you have Parkinson's. Right. I don't know why I'm stumbling trying to say it. How was is, how is that? Like, I, I have no, other than Michael J. Fox having Parkinson's, I, I'm not really too aware of what that entails. Parkinson's is, a, is a, your brain's lack of the ability to produce dopamine. Dopamine controls fine motor control movement. So right now I'm a, I'm a, I have a good dose of my medicine in them, so you might not notice too much. But when it, when, it, when, I, when it wears off, I shake a lot. Sometimes I can't move, I can't walk. Oh, God um, But uh, my girlfriend and I are time that so that it doesn't happen in public too much. If I go to a long party, it may happen there. I may have to go into a corner and wait till my dose kicks in. In the morning, it's a little rough because I haven't taken it all night. So you wake up without a source of dopamine, and it's tough to get tough to get going. Once I once my dose hits, I'm pretty good. We also found Kristen has also found this natural dopamine made in India. It's from the bean. It's a bean ground up from a natural bean from a plant, and it's very well absorbed by the body, and it has no side effects like the regular medicine does. I can take it. As, water soluble I can take it as many times as I want to during the day usually I take it once or twice I just took one an hour before I got here I just took my pills about while I was eating, eating over there so I'm good for another two hours before I have any issues but it's it's really debilitating and I've had it for since 19 since 2002 I've had it so I've had it for quite a long time and it's gotten worse, and they don't have a cure yet, but they're getting seem to be getting close. And other chemicals in your brain are off too: your epinephrine and your what? Serotonin. Serotonin are off too. So there's a whole chemical balance in your brain that has to be working correctly in order for you to to be a normal person. And yeah. people who have that take it for granted. People like me have to, have to supplement it with all kinds of pills, so I can take quite a lot of pills. But um, it's just something that happens when it happens to a lot of people when they get older. And if you notice, a lot of people who are older have tremors or have some sort of walking issue. Just anybody who's, I'd say, 60 or older probably has some sort of issue going on. And I walk down the street, I see them all the time, and I think, gosh, take some of my powder stuff. I'll fix you up. I go to my, my neurologist about once every six months because neurology is a thing that doesn't when you have a brain problem and nothing happens really quickly yeah. they want to see every six months because you don't fall apart like in a day you fall apart like every year a little bit more so they see every, me every six months and sometimes they go into the lobby and I Kristen says you want to do that person a solid over there so sometimes I explain to the, the shaking person in the corner Hey, if you take this packet of stuff I'm handing you here, it'll stop shaking. And uh, sometimes it works, sometimes they believe me, sometimes they think I'm giving them mumbo jumbo. They trust their doctors so much, and doctors really don't know. Doctors are pretty much steadfast in their old treatments, giving them levodopa, carbidopa, which is what they gave people 
1972, and it still is the main Parkinson drug. I'm taking a drug that's four decades old, and that's all they've got so far. It's the best thing they've got, and so it's kind of frustrating. But there are there are little there are new people on the horizon, and a lot of a lot of good drugs coming out, and they think they're going to help. But um, it's tough to tour. I got to time everything correctly. I get up slow, and I got to get out the door, get into the van, and then make sure I'm up for a show. And it's worked so far, though. Yeah. Well, I have a friend who has lupus, and I guess yeah. with lupus they have a. Th- um, their analogy is the spoon analogy. I don't know if you've heard that. It's like, okay, I get up out of bed, that's one. I start the day with 30 spoons. Get up out of bed, that's one spoon. I take a shower, that's two spoons. I eat breakfast, that's a third spoon. And by lunchtime, I have 10 spoons left for the rest of the day. Um, I'll forward it to you. It's a, actually pretty, it's like, holy shit, I get it. But is it kind of like that for yourself? Like. No, I don't run out of dopamine because okay. I take more. Oh, okay. I take, well, more, I take more synthetic yeah. dopamine. So for me, Chris, better Christmas, Lucas. No. Oh, do you know that? No. Uh-uh. Oh, well, I'll forward it to you then even more. <laughs> um, but no, like a bunch of my friends with lupus are like, that's kind of how it is through the day. Like you have this, you have a gas tank of this much and you just deplete it throughout the day. And then you get to a point where it's like six o'clock and you're, you're done. Sometimes, but I recommend um, no gluten and no carbs. It's really, really quite a miracle. Okay. It, it really is. This is not a keto diet? Ketogenic. Ketogenic diet? No, no sugars, no carbs, no, you know, any, no pasta, bread, almost all like that. A, almost like an Atkins diet. Okay. Very similar to Atkins. A lot of, a lot of meats, a lot of fats. Because you can burn fat. After, you, after your carbs are gone in your body, yeah. your body starts burning fat. So you lose a lot of weight. But it's good for it's good for people with um, autoimmune diseases, which lupus is. And um, carbs are bad for you. And yeah, carbs it's really bad for you. But I will say, since being on it, I don't have any swollen joints. My joint like before that, it would be every day something would ache. You know, it'd be my arm was hurting. Really my swollen too, were not hurting. just like visibly like large. It, yeah, I mean like it would double in size, you know, like a toe, you know, just one toe would swell up or the whole foot would swell up or a knee would swell up. You couldn't walk for days, you know. But since doing the ketogenic, it's um it's been fantastic. I'd like to get him on it. It's good for Parkinson's too, but I'm sorry about it because you, you make no, the food. No, you're not on it because you eat cookies. I eat a lot of sugar. <laughs> I yeah. love sugar. He eats nothing but sugar. I was on a strict. <laughs> I was on a strict pecan sandy diet for a long time. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Pecan sandies are great. Or, yeah, how about the beer? You still you drink? I don't all? drink a lot of beer. I don't yeah. drink very really much at all. You can't even drink your own beer. Yeah, I, I drink a beer once in a while, but um, anyway, the Parkinson's thing is—it's like a frustrating. It's frustrating in that I will I will be feeling good and I'll forget to take a dose and I'm then I then I'm then I'm fucked for a while yeah. because then I go go so low I just like fall it's like minute by minute I fall off the cliff and I can't even talk to you anymore no. and it's it's very weird but I really I used to set alarms and take them on time sometimes I'm, I'm around home working on the house and I forget and I come staggering into where Kristen is and I just lay on the couch and go oh. So she helps me take another dose, and then a half hour later, I get up and move around some more. But that's, that's what it's like. So it's just a condition that I have that you gotta learn how to live with and learn how to manage. I suppose it could be a lot worse. Yeah. Things would be worse. 
So I, I consider myself kind of fortunate. You're barely cheerful about it, you know? I don't... Yeah. It, and you're still doing things. I know yeah. like that discovery would cripple a lot of people and their mentality, and they would sit and do nothing. Well, when I hear Robin Williams killing himself because he had Parkinson's, he had Parkinson's for about 10 years, I think, before he killed himself. Never know how bad it was, but it seems to me kind of a sad state of affairs that he did that. It really doesn't say much for him, really. I hate to say and pass judgment on the guy, but it's not that bad. <laughs> I Nothing's mean, that bad. Aren't you curious what's going to happen in the world? Aren't you curious about your kids' lives? Aren't you? Don't you like seeing your wife? It's not. It's not. It's not horrible. I mean, you can. By juicing yourself up on the, on the drugs they give you and on natural things, you can get by. And uh, even even when you're at your lowest, it's, it's, you can still do something. Yeah. I took the garbage out once without <laughs> my long driveway without any drugs. It was a battle, but you know it's kind of interesting to see if you can do it. <laughs> uh, it was in. One thing I like about, in all the interviews I read and all the documentaries you've been in, you don't seem to have any regrets about anything. Like, Naked Reagan never blew up to the heights of your contemporaries and the other coasts. We were right before Nirvana. Yeah. Nirvana was around when we were around, but then we broke up while they were still kind of small. Then they hit and everything changed. But at the time we were around, you couldn't be, you really weren't. The biggest band was the Ramones, you know. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't play this kind of music and do what would what, be that big. But all of a sudden, they wrote songs that were good enough that everybody liked them. That's really what it was. And so to that, I have no regrets because they wrote songs that were better than ours. Well, if you, well, like if you could quantum leap back in time into your younger self, would you have hit the road harder, worked harder? now that you know what you know and whatnot? Or is it still that, nah, fuck it, no regrets? Um, we played both, we would play a, an East Coast tour like every other year, and yeah. play a West Coast tour once in a while. And we play all over the Midwest all the time, but I, I don't think I would do it too much differently. Yeah. Um, I think we have some great albums. We have some albums with hardly any shitty songs on them. That was a, a big thing. No shitty songs. Yeah. And uh, I'm really proud of All Rise and Jettison. Jettison. Those, those, yeah. those, those are stellar albums. All Rise is my favorite. I wrote the, almost the whole thing myself. I'm patting myself on the back here, but I feel like it. <laughs> and uh, I just think it's got a lot of good songs on there. I love that song, Soldier's Requiem off Jettison. Yeah. That record's good. That, that if, if somebody was asked to be my favorite Naked Reagan, that record would be that one, definitely. Yeah, people have their favorites. You know, mm -hmm. you have your favorite. A lot of people like Throb Throb. Yeah, no, that's the big one. Yeah. What do you th how do you feel about that one? It's all right? It's good. It's a good album. It's got some big hits. So, going into this new record that's nowhere near finished? Well, there are... Four, four or five songs that are completely finished. Yeah, oh, completely. Completely finished. One's been, one has been released already. The one uh, Eric wrote? Broken, broken Things? No, you'll do better research. Try to, get, try to get Broken Things. Try to find that on the internet. You'll get, you'll get a download. It's pretty good. Eric wrote it. It's about getting older and not being where you want to be at in life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read about that one in the 
very nice spin magazine yeah. interview. Yeah, so try to get that. That's a good song. And then four other songs are finished. Um, Pierre's writing too, which is good. It's good to have Pierre, even though he Pierre had a stroke, and he's not going to get better. No, but he still plays with us. And then you have guys like Fritz and yeah, that's uh, why we have Fritz. We have Fritz helping him out. Yeah. So, but as long as Pierre wants to play with us, he can play with us. And Pierre writing songs is very important because Pierre's such a good songwriter. He'll still write some great, great beauties. He's still got a couple more in him before his time is done. He wrote Vanilla Blue, and he wrote Treason, and he wrote so many other great hits. He wrote Home. He wrote a lot of good, lot of good music. He also wrote Bug House, which I can't forgive him for. <laughs> but there's, you know, everybody has a slow moment in time. We all screw up. It's funny. Um, so is it, what are the chances of this being the last naked... I don't want to say last, but like going into this record, is this like leaving something of a final, not final mark, but like might be. I, I don't know how. To I don't think it will it. be. I, I want to really ask the question, and I have it circled here: legacy. Like, what do you think your legacy is going to be? And is this record kind of the way you're trying? This to record will add to it. Yeah. This record will be another good album without any crappy songs on it, yeah. and we'll be known for. We've known kind of like the creation. Never made it to be the Rolling Stones size, but we're just as good. And we're around at the same time. Yeah. And uh, we're respected. That's good enough for me. And I like that. I like that you guys never, you guys are happy at where you are and what you could do. And that's, I think something, you know, the younger kids, you see them like, oh, we're not on, M not MTV, but you guys are happy with the success yeah, you've made. You don't you know? have to be on Warp Tour and have everybody bowing down to you and listening yeah. to you. It's, it's not, it's, it's not realistic anyway. Yeah. It's, um, you're just in, on this earth for a short time and nobody remembers any bands that were around from the 20s. <laughs> The tens, certainly not. Um, you know, you remember some of the classical Mozarts and them like that, but there's there was millions of people that, you, that were around that aren't remembered. And uh, so you really just gotta live for your time. And I think we're, I think we did that pretty successfully. Oh yeah. And you know, bring it back to Dave Grohl. I'm sorry to do it. Do you ever wonder, like, because he said that was like the first punk show he ever went to, changed his life. What if you guys had had a bad night that night? Would there be, <laughs> would there be Dave Grohl? Would we know who he was if you guys sucked that night? I don't know. I don't know. You can't think about that stuff too much. You know, there was, we influenced a lot of bands. We, we, and people. And people. We made a lot of people start bands. But when the Ramones played England, they started... 20 bands that you've heard of yeah. in the same in one night and that's the way that's the way good music goes you know if it's that good people will be inspired by it and, and, and want to emulate you and want to be part of it too and uh, that's what 
making music is all about, I think. It's, it's, it's giving someone the excitement and the feeling that... When I first heard Sonic Reducer by... by... Uh, Without placing. <laughs> I know the name, but I can't place um, it because I'm. Steve Bader's band. Dead Boys, by the Dead Boys. Yeah. Sonic Reducer by Dead Boys. I, I was like, wow, this song's really kicking my ass. When I first heard some Gang of Four songs, I was just like, this is the best, this is, uh, this is good stuff, like damaged, damaged goods. Or uh, outside trains don't run on time, or armor light rifle. It's just like this is the best thing I've ever heard. This is so much better than than cock rock. That that shouldn't even exist. I'm not even going to pay attention to it anymore. This is this is this is where I have to be. This is this is great stuff. When I heard Wire for the first time, come on, I heard Wire. The whole album is Pink Flag is like a hit, giant one giant hit, end to end. It's like this is fucking great. This is this is blowing away everything I've ever heard of by listened to, to my life so far to this point. It's blowing uh, blowing it so badly away. This is all I want to do from now on. So that's what good music will do to you. Hell yeah! Well, that's the best place to stop at, right there. Yeah. Anything else you want to throw out there, Jeff? No. Let's stay, stay tuned. No. I can't wait. I can't wait for the new record. Yeah, should be good. Yeah. Well, thanks for meeting up and hanging out with me. I know it's kind of Damien. a little out of your way. It's All been right. a, it's been pleasure. Damien. I'm gonna go drink some more Wonder Beer. Maybe maybe I've had too many edit already. Edit that down. Edit my pauses out. Well, we'll see. Make me look good. I'll make you look good. I know. It's hard to make you look bad. You're you're Jeff. I I I sometimes have big gaps in my thoughts. Only the best minds do. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about twenty things at once. Oh, I know how that goes. And then sometimes I've, I've been forgetting names a lot lately. Sometimes like, you get on that, you know, that kick and forget names. Na- names of people I've known for years. I yeah. can't remember them all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm like, who the fuck? The guy I lived in this house for a year. Anyway. Hi, Sean. All right, buddies. Jeff, Kristen. Thanks so much for hanging out and chatting with me. It was it was just such a wonderful experience. I Before the interview started, I was looking over my notes, and they were eating lunch, and they invited me to eat lunch with them, and, and I kind of wish I had because I think, who knows, whatever. I'm, I'm just crazy, manic, weirdo, Damien, damn it Damien kind of character, um, but I think we got some really cool stuff um, out of Jeff and Kristen, and they were just such a pleasure to sit back and hang out and chat with. Uh, super special thanks to Heather West for helping set this up. If you missed Heather's episode last week, I chat with Heather about being a publicist, how she got started, uh, what she looks for in bands, and uh, what you can do to help yourself and be a better publicist for your own band. Those kind of lessons. And it w- there's also an episode where I, two episodes even, where I get uh, particularly inebriated with the guys from 88 Fingers Louie. So please check out all our Chicago episodes. I also have a old, old, old Chicago episode where I jumped in a car with Tony from Victory Records and Springa from SSD Control. That one's pretty interesting to listen to as well. Um, oh, and I can't, I can't not thank the guys at Cobra Lounge and the All Rise Brewing Company. Those guys were so great, treated me like family, even though they didn't know me. Just such a great time hanging out and chatting with those guys as well. Um, one of the best venues in America, I can safely say that, as I've seen a good chunk of them in the world. Um, it was a 
treat to be there. I can't wait to go back, and I can't wait to drink so many more Wonder Beers. Uh, let's give a thanks to our sponsors at Ratio Beer Works in Dink, Denver's Independent Arts and Comics Expo, coming March 25th, 26th to the Sherman Street Event Center. Please check them out at Dink Comics, no, DinkDenver.com. And then also RatioBeerWorks.com. We've got some really cool ratio sessions coming up that you should check out. Uh, RatioBeerWorks.com. Um, and buddies, like us, follow us, find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, and MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com. All right, buddies. Uh, again, we're going to end this with another song. And and again, there's so many great Naked Raygun songs. Really, if you've never really dug in deep into their catalog, I really, really highly recommend that you uh, just just go to Spotify, hit random, and really just dump, jump in, and you'll be surprised how many songs jump out and stick out and are familiar to you. Uh, but because I spent so much time at Cobra Lounge and so much time drinking Wonder Beer, I'd be remiss if I didn't close this episode out with the song Wonder Beer. And believe me, it was not an easy choice. I wanted I wanted so many other songs, but I posted on Facebook, what's your favorite uh, Naked Ray Gun song? And overwhelmingly, I got a lot of people going, Wonder Beer, Wonder Beer, Wonder Beer, Wonder Beer. So buddies, we're going we're gonna to close this song out with Wonder Beer. Thanks again to Jeff and Kristen, and thanks to you guys for listening. Hopefully my awkwardness wasn't too painful in this episode. Uh, if you're a long-time listener, you know, normally I'm not as weird and awkward, but it's not every day I get to sit and talk to somebody from such a legendary punk rock band like Naked Ray Gun. So uh, thank you all. Thanks again to Heather West. And uh, buddies, we'll see you in the funny pages. Take care now.